Hey everyone, Kip here. Just to let you know, uh, due to some scheduling conflicts, we cannot record our Comrade Saber episode next week. So instead, we will do a, our second episode on Comrade Game, which will be episodes 20 through 24, a discussion on those. And then, because uh, we have finished the series, we will have a little like spoiler section to talk about that for people post-series. Uh, so yeah, the second part of our intro to Comrade Game. And then in three weeks from now, we will be doing... Uh, a double stuffed Comrade Saber episode. So that'll be episodes three through six in three weeks. And Shin. Hello everyone to another episode of Cover Marks Me. I'm your host Kip, and today we are talking about the Marvel Rise of Ultraman comic series. So far, just the first issue, but also like franchise in general. And with me is an illustrious panel of guests. And like first is Rich. Hello, Rich. Hey, how's it going? Ah, uh, pretty good. How are you? Not too bad today on this cool, crisp Saturday morning. Yeah, it's like pretty crisp right now, but it's nice. Well, it beats what's happening in California. That's that's for sure. Uh, yeah, it does. And um, Rich, you were the host of the Science Patrol podcast. You were a previous guest on episode, I'm going to say 23. I forget 23, 22, but like right there. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, um, you are a lifelong fan of Ultraman. Pretty much. Uh, I would say at least 40 of my 50 years uh, discovered him when I was a little kid and uh realized how much fun it was to see giant monsters on TV every day instead of just waiting for Godzilla movie marathons to roll around. Exactly. And there is Ryan, who is a, an independent comic creator who's made various series now, uh, but um, was on the show previously as part of uh, promoting his own like Sentai-inspired series, and is currently kickstarting the final issue of uh, his Axeman comic series. Hello, Ryan. Kip, happy to be back on. Glad to have you. And uh, before I forget, what was the name of your Sentai series? I just like blanked this morning. Super Scouts. It's the perfect combination super of kind of abstract Super Sentai words. <laughs> yeah, um, that is a real issue, though, when you're trying to make something like in that world and have to like make sure can't say Ranger, can't say this, can't say ah. I like to think it's uh, generic yet iconic. Yeah, like um, the Molto Meal of... Uh, it's nice to be understood, Kip. <laughs> and um, that laugh is our final guest, which oh, is geez. Andrew from uh, the like Amusement Sparks like podcast. Andrew is a font enthusiasm for comics and toku. Hello, Andrew. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Always love a chance to talk about Ultraman. And yeah, so this I really wanted to talk about um, what well, what's been going on both like with Ultraman and like with just like um like culture and with, like a lot of like Toku coming to the West. So I just wanted to have like as many points of like um conversation like as we could. And yeah, uh <clears throat> it's uh been a minute. Um how's everyone doing 
living in COVID and living in like the world right now, or since like I like last heard from you on the show, any big updates, any big changes, or just yeah, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, it's like we were discussing. I've I've never stopped going to work because uh, considered essential. So it's been you know it's been almost no different except for the fact that. Uh, everything's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> you know, st- standing too close to someone in line at like the gas station or something, or, or uh, you know, it just it, it. New Jersey's done a pretty good job of handling it. Um, you know, we don't have we don't have a lot of out of control situations like we you see in some states, um, but of course now gyms and and uh, school is open and um, things like that. So I'm anticipating we're going to see a spike again. But, you know, other than that, it's been fairly, it's been fairly routine. You know, just trying to, just trying to break the day up is, is, is when you're not at work is a little difficult because, you know, you try to do yeah. normal stuff like grocery shop and whatever. And you just, just surrounded by, uh, hopefully, uh, people with masks on, um, doing the same That's always thing. Nice. Yeah, but then the you know you you do go get to go to the Greater Central Jersey Nose and Nostril Pavilion, and uh, everyone's walking around like uh, you know with with the schnoz out, or they're apparently they have uh, breathing gills installed in their chin where their mask is. But uh, <laughs> you know you just try to avoid those people. But it's been you know, we're we're still here, <laughs> we're still here and going. Yeah, just like um, mildly getting exhausted every day by the like, but no tragedy basically. <laughs> Which right, is, yeah. yeah, that's all of us. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? Like, how's like your uh, how's your life? I guess <laughs> <laughs> it's always interesting, man. I feel like we just everybody's these days. Um, so I'm a TV writer um, from Pennsylvania, but based out of Los Angeles, California. Um, if I open my weather app on my phone, it's just said smoke for the last two weeks. Oh, yeah, um, which is pretty wild um, like there'd be ash in my backyard and stuff like that uh, but my big news is I'm actually coming to you live today from the I-80 East uh, because my girlfriend and I are moving back east to our stomping grounds because um, we're both working she's a television writer as well so we're both working remotely until at least first quarter 2021 which is hopefully the most corporate thing you'll hear me say on this entire podcast <laughs> um, but who knows it's open ended so we've both been remote since February um, so we're just kind of making an adventure right now so I'm in a Quaint little early 2000s Nissan Versa. My cat is on my shoulder, and I'm very excited to talk about nerdy stuff with you. Oh, wow. That's a real feel that. And uh, my cat is also on my shoulder. So that's like <laughs> second to show. Respect. That's awesome. I, I've been working. Our business is considered essential, too. So luckily, each person has a relatively decent sized office where there's not a ton of, you know, intimate connection with other humans at work, which is pretty nice. Um, but my like creative life has been really enjoyable as my kind of social life has decreased. I've been doing more and more podcasts, so that makes up for the social life pretty much. It's just all my conversations now are very intentional because it's on a podcast where there's like a specific theme we're trying to go for a certain topic, which makes it nice. I like to be organized and scheduled and all that stuff. So it uh, takes the mess of having a regular social life and organizes it into a series of meetings. (laughs) It's great. Um, And then I'm also working on hiring a writer, which is kind of exciting. Like I've got a kind of creative project I've been saving up money for. And uh, finally in the the processes of 
hiring a writer, and I've been really impressed with the turnout. I think uh, there's a lot of creative people with with additional energy and free time, and that they didn't have, you know, even in the spring. Um, so I've had a huge amount of interest in the job, which has been really cool, and I'm just narrowing it down to like the final writer over this next week. So it's been a really compelling thing. It almost feels like a one of those reality shows where it's like a contest and you eliminate someone each week. It's kind of like that where it's like I look through everyone's samples and I have like a rubric and a grading thing and it's been pretty cool. It's uh it is of course hard to turn an artist into a series of numbers and then compare those numbers, but uh somehow you got to pick one. You know, I can only afford to hire one person for this writing job. So it's been pretty it's been a cool uh process and pretty engaging so that's been keeping me busy the last month or so good luck with that well thanks i'm excited about it that's really cool so um so when i started to have like guests on the show like i was like never thinking like we'd have like these many but it's nice there's a lot to talk about so in that spirit uh let's switch over to our main subject which is uh what's going on with ultraman right now so first question for everybody um, how do you know Ultraman? How would you describe Ultraman? Uh, easy way is like I said, I discovered it when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and it was uh simply a uh extension of giant monsters for me. Like I I had seen Godzilla at some point as a child, and it imprinted heavily on me. And uh, the fact that I could see something every day on TV was absolutely mind boggling. Uh, you know, I, it wasn't anything that I could, uh, I would have ever imagined. And then when it went away, uh, I completely forgot about it pretty much until college. Uh, when, uh, a friend of mine came back from a, uh, probably New York comic con. And he was like, Hey, remember when we talked about that ultra Ultraman show? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's like, here, I got you this. And it was like one of those window boxed, uh, Ultraman figures. And I was like, oh, that's really awesome. Thanks. And he was like, yeah, it was hard to choose. I, I, I like had to get you the original, and there's so many. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, dude, they never stop making the show. And I was like, what? And uh, yeah, it all went pretty much down and or uphill from there. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, that's like so that's always so interesting to me just because like um, I never wasn't able to like at least like find like a like late 90s like fan site for something so like to right. like be like pre-wiki pre that kind of stuff like there was some How stuff about where, like you pre the internet stuff. yeah there was nothing <laughs> we relied on other nerds to tell us what was going on <laughs> like i just barely remember there was some stuff where like i only knew based off of like um wizard magazine or like um <laughs> some display in like a like comic store and i was like man which blades sure seems like popular based off like wizard magazine i don't know mm-hmm. but yeah man just i that's like amazing though it's like <clears throat> as nice as it is to have um a constant stream of information and be able to find like everything and every detail um it's not often where you find something though and you're like um oh what there's 20 of these i thought there was oh, just yeah. one of these oh yeah like yeah, this was this was just this was just before they started airing uh, towards the future and Tiga because those both came out while I was in college. Yeah, and, and it, um, it was, 
you know, it was like, oh my God, they're doing it. There's more that's coming here, you know, and because any, anything else you had to buy from the comic book store on VHS tapes and they weren't subtitled at all. They weren't even doing fan subs. So you could get a whole bunch of raw Ultraman stuff for $20 for two to four episodes because, you know, bootleggers. And uh, it was, it, you know, it was bananas because you wanted to watch it, but you're like, I can't understand this. <laughs> yeah, not just like um, Wikipedia stuff, like YouTube, like you couldn't really like sample like what you'd like be getting or watching or like seeing. Like it was like, oh, what's this? This is like a like this is two random episodes, ones from one show, ones from like another show. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you'd go to a convention and there was a guy with a like three tables full of home recorded VHS tapes and a tiny TV with a VCR built into it. And he would show you anything you wanted to see. Like, well, how's the quality on Dynaman? And they'd pop that out and you'd put another tape in yeah. there and you'd watch two minutes of Dynaman and you'd go, all right, here's my $20. And you'd go home and be confused for two hours. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, that sounds so much more interesting than now where like, it's just like, everything's there. Um, oh, I assure you it wasn't. <laughs> Oh, it was yeah. incredibly frustrating. No, just uh, uh, I um had a cousin who was several years older than me, but was really into like super VHS. If you remember that, oh yeah, sure. Yeah, so like that was like a whole thing too. Where like there was one point where I got like a bunch of like super VHS, and I was like, "How am I supposed to play these? This is like <clears throat> 2008. What am I supposed to do with mm-hmm. these?" Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, just but no, um. What about you, Riot? Uh, what's your like experience with Ultraman, or like, uh, how do you like describe it? Uh, well, I'm I'm really enjoying just listening to you guys talk so far because uh, I know, frankly, I know how big the world is, or I'm vaguely aware of how big the world is, which is why I'm confident saying I know almost nothing about it. Um, <laughs> you know, as a as, again, sort of like you were saying, um, as a guy who's been to plenty of comic cons and. and Know, comic shops i'm used to seeing like that weird dude on the shelf so like i'm ba- you know it's such an iconic shape and like such a distinctive design that i knew that part of it um i i'm gonna try my best here so as a child of the 90s i was a big fan of the limited run of uh superhuman samurai cyber squad which it, which mm-hmm. was I, okay. which my understanding was like the gentrified american version of Gridman. Mm-hmm. Which is that loosely affiliated, or is that completely different? They both just have big yellow eyes. They're made by the same company, Super Air Productions. Got it. Um, so I know that part, um, which that also had some transforming robots in it that I dig. Um, now I'm obviously aware of Ultraman, just as sort of the legend and the kind of the iconic property. I read a little bit of the, um, I think it was a Viz manga series that came out in like 2014 or 2015. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, didn't even know. Yeah, that, that's what the uh, the Netflix anime is a direct adaptation of that series, which is oh, oh that yeah, one, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's still going. Yeah. Oh, is it? I thought it that's cool. Oh yeah, as far as I know, that's still being like there's I don't know like ten graphic novels, um, and it and it uh, veers off wildly from the Viz one, uh, from the uh, Netflix one. Huh. Yeah, it felt when I was reading it, it felt that one felt a lot sort of like a. Force Awakens, like, sequel, prequel, reboot kind of thing, weirdly. Um, so that's why I really enjoyed this book. I'm happy to kind of hear. I want to put it well. You know, take me to the source. Mm. Have you seen that now, two years ago, they did a, like, really 
a like really awesome like um gridman like anime that was like 13 episodes like it was like a great show like have you like man that was so i saw a clip of that i remember i saw it online someone posted like on instagram a picture of it when i like got home from the bar and i thought it was like a fake fan thing i woke up the next morning i was like holy shit this is like the coolest version of this i could have asked for um yeah man that was that one was super rad that's a beautiful thing that most of the time when you think you've got something cool you wake up and you're like oh i was dreaming that i got that new guitar or that you know uh that cool thing exists but you had the opposite which is nice that's rare well what i like about your story too is you know the funny thing with a lot of this like all these different subgenres and fandoms is like the internet makes you kind of think that we're all like aware of everything but you know a lot of these sites and communities are like fan generated in a lot of ways so like it's sort of you know the internet makes I think kind of makes us all cocky. Like, oh, I've heard of everything. But it's like, nah, man. Like, you talk. Like, I can already tell. If I sat down, bridge um, for you know eight minutes, I would find out more about Ultraman than I ever thought possible, <laughs> or that I could find just stumbling across the internet. You know that like these communities, and especially in the West, like, I mean, God, that VHS story is so freaking awesome. Like, it's weirdly that we've all kind of been the keepers. It's, it's like Game of Thrones. Like, like these kingdoms were either burned down or we fled with like you know the books from the Library of Alexandria. We've been the ones like kind of keeping it alive in culture for ourselves, and then now it's kind of being built up again and institutionalized. This is what we kind of all hoped for at one point when we were going to these conventions. Is that like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you could? Well, the the original thing was like, oh, it'd be great if they were showing this on TV again, and then you could tape it. <laughs> like, not even like because you knew no no company's going to be crazy enough to actually try to make money on these, there isn't enough people who are going to buy it, you know? And they put out an Ultraman VHS tape. It was four episodes and it was, I don't know, $25 or something like that. <laughs> and it was beautiful. It looked fantastic. It had special features. It had, um, Haru Nakajima, uh, interview on it and vintage toy commercials and whatnot. Um, but like, it's a, it's a, Okay, let's break that down. That's a 39-episode series. So you're looking at, what, $250 for the whole thing? Well, yeah. I mean, that's Japanese pricing, as far as I'm... The, the, the Japanese price, things like that. Like, you look at the Japanese cost of a Blu-ray box set for what we're getting here from Mill Creek um, for, you know, you buy it off Amazon, it's $24. The original Ultraman is like $350 or something like that Ooh. on Blu-ray. Oh, it's, it's obnoxiously expensive. Sure. Yeah, that is the law. And they're not know. subtitled from there. Yeah. yeah weirdly, uh, in my little part of Pennsylvania, the only superhuman samurai cyber squad, one that they, they always had in stock was the Christmas special. So I've seen, I've seen <laughs> that one probably 50 times. <laughs> nice yeah um what about you andrew um what's your like experience with us slash like what do you know about like ultraman sure uh it started with the power rangers boom of like you know early 90s i was a little kid back then and uh then in the late 90s my dad who grew up watching ultraman realized that they were out on vhs and so he bought probably one of those tapes with four episodes on it I think in the very, you know, like early days of our house having internet. And so just suddenly I'm like, there's this thing where like a Power Ranger fights Godzilla and it's a different monster every week. I was like, (laughs) my mind was blown. 
Um, and this was right around when Pokemon was coming out, which has had a huge impact on my life too, especially my like creative brain and all that stuff. But it was like, my dad's like, oh, you like monsters and Pokemon and stuff and Power Rangers. I'm like, yeah. And he's like, well, watch this. And it like blew my mind. It was absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Back then it felt like it was really hard to get a hold of stuff, you know, especially with like limited allowance money and not being able to, you know, go to conventions or not knowing that those even existed. And there wasn't a comic book shop in my hometown or anything. So eventually, you know, like, you know, the end of high school or so, um, I discovered this podcast, the, uh, the Kaiju cast, which has been going for, I don't know, 11 years now or something. And oh, they, yeah. uh, totally reignited that love. I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot about Ultraman. Um, I was like a pretty diehard Power Rangers fan all the way through high school, but I had somehow Ultraman fell off cause it was just that one quirky VHS tape. I didn't realize the scope of it. Kind of like you guys were saying. And, uh, but then I was like, Oh, Ultraman, you can buy the whole series on, on DVD. You know, this was like 2009 or so the milk mill Creek one. Um, and so I got that and that was just absolutely amazing. And then from then on, like every uh, comic book store I would go to, I would dig through the weird old comics and try to find, you know, these kind of obscure Ultraman comics just for a little taste of Ultraman in English, you know, and uh, yeah, that was pretty much it. I'm, I've mostly only watched the original series. I've dabbled and sampled other series since then. I really liked the the like chibi versions. I forget exactly what that was called, but I remember downloading those on a thumb drive and like showing them to all my friends because I thought they were so cool. Uh, they're basically like those little shorts that play before the Pokemon movies where it's like just Ultraman characters running around having an adventure uh with yep. this really cute art style but uh yeah I'm, I'm excited about this comic i'm excited about the netflix series that you guys were talking about based on that you know 2011 or 2014 manga and uh it's it's cool seeing it brought into a modern age but i still like the 66 series the best just mm-hmm. it's got that vibe kind of like the 66 batman like there's something about the film quality and the technology mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. so outdated by modern standards but still kind of feeling sci-fi and wonderful and cool and all the sound effects and the music and oh, that's it's so good so i love seeing that the original series is the one that marvel is uh kind of tapping into here sure it's set in a modern time period but it does start out in 1966 which is really cool for me yeah um the first physical like media i ever got for toku besides like something for power rangers or like for like godzilla was um this is like a weird poll but in like 2008 2009 um I think that Best Buy had a bunch of box sets of uh, Iron King, which is yes, yeah, <laughs> that's a pull, right? And I, I don't know oh, why Iron King is so great because like it's like a vaguely Western themed, but not really. Um, like it's like and be clear yeah. when you say Western, you mean cowboys, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like <laughs> it's like this like weird show that's trying to like to attract like Ultraman fans it's like a like giant hero but like the two main characters are dressed as cowboys um there's like a like very scantily clad like dressed up like Pocahontas like female character and they just like go on adventures but like the person who transforms isn't even like the main character he's like the bubbling sidekick and boy if you think Ultraman is low budget wait till you watch Iron King (laughs) Because weren't they like a leather company that made this show to try and like bring Something a TV? Like yeah. Yeah. And the the guy, uh, the guy who was like the lead guy who has a belt that becomes a whip and a sword. And he, like, yeah, it's, you know, the all purpose, it's the all purpose weapon. 
and I don't know how his pants didn't fall down every time he used it, but he was trying to be a, a pop star. So he sings in every episode, right? Because he carries a guitar with him as he wanders around being a secret agent cowboy. Um, but they didn't they didn't have the budget to pay for pop songs or any songs that had any copyright. So all he sings are like public domain Japanese folk songs. That's such a so great every vibe. every sh- yeah everything is like how wide is the river? How tall is my devotion to you and like <laughs> it's absolutely bananas yeah it's like a cowboy secret agent um and like the pl- the plot at least for like the first chunk of episodes is that um th- like there used to be two clans that were fighting one of them became the people of japan and one of them went underground and made giant robots <laughs> sure and yeah it's just it's that old story <laughs> yeah tales of old it's a tales of this time <laughs> that's right and just one cool thing, though, is that uh, the man who becomes Iron King gets dehydrated instead of, like, losing sun power. So he's, like, constantly, like, falling in, like, rivers and stuff to, like, rehydrate and stuff. It's just, like, a really just... What, mm-hmm. what a weird thing. But, yeah. Um, yeah, Mill Creek also put that out, too. Um, when, uh, uh, oh, boy, BCI Eclipse had that. It had, um, sure, uh, it's a big a super robot Red Baron. And they had a, they started translating another two shows uh, before they went under, but of course that work wasn't done. So Mill Creek never picked those up. But Mill Creek. This was back when Mill Creek put out stuff like they crammed as much crap as they could onto a disc and sold it cheap, which is great because it exposed a lot of people to it. Now you look at the releases they're putting out for Ultraman, all the Blu-ray box sets, and you got steel books. There's like thick booklets they are they are doing what nobody i don't think anybody ever thought mill creek would be capable of uh is like a boutique blu-ray label i don't think anybody saw that coming it's like a nice that it's like actually like coming out because like i always forget like the actual like details but it's like now official that like tuberia can put out ultraman in the world without like any kind of like legal issue like they just have like it like free and clear which is why like there's like um yep now things going on um but yeah it's like nice that like this company's like actually doing stuff and like reaching out and it feels like a very like deserved push as well because like at least i kind of feel like people know at least conceptually what ultraman is but i'm not sure um do we think people know what ultraman is in like america or like I don't think so. Not it doesn't have no. the, nearly the popularity of of Power Rangers, for example. Like you, you've, I've never seen Ultraman toys in even uh, Toys R Us or or uh, Target or anything. Um, I used to work in both of those places, so I'd always like <laughs> keep an eye out for the kind of weird stuff I was into. But I mean, you you can find them in in like comic book stores and definitely stores that sell you know anime and stuff. But uh, yeah, I don't think the average person would recognize Ultraman based on his costume. Everybody's like, oh, is that Power Rangers? And you're like, ugh. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I don't want to be that nerd, but no. <laughs> um, especially, you know, now that now that we're all online, too, like, I remember, like, Suncoast or FYE or places like that had, like, pretty, like, kind of, like, extensive but weird, like, like anime sections and, like, Japanese sections and stuff like that. But now, now that you have to seek that stuff out, you don't necessarily happen upon it. Although, on the opposite side, though, like, now, like, if you're a teenager that just goes on animation on Netflix, you're going to see that that 
Ultraman series when it drops because like it just puts stuff in your face in a different way. Oh, uh, so um, in my head, Ultraman's kind of like Astro Boy, where if you just like ask a bunch of people on the street in like Chicago or somewhere, like it's like a real like CNN like on the street thing, like you'll get like some answers, like oh yeah, like Ultraman, like. I know what that is or like I watched this as a kid or like maybe like you'll get some it's like oh yeah it's like a giant dude like bigger than a dinosaur or spoons for eyes or something like in my head like if you <laughs> ask like 20 people what ultimate is they'll say oh yeah I like vaguely rem- like no but like maybe I'm wrong there it depends on how old the person is you're asking if you go 10 years past me oh, like you really just ask someone who's 40 probably not because they didn't have it growing, like it wasn't on TV. Whereas Astro Boy, Astro Boy was very widely syndicated. Like people, people remember seeing Gigantor and Astro Boy. That was, uh, you know, Speed Racer um, to a greater extent. But Ultraman, the the live action stuff didn't get as much um, as much play here in America because I think people were like, "Oh, the the dubbing's out of sync," and just watch the show. Like, get, get, you know, get lost in the moment for a minute. All right. Quit, you know, then you don't have to be, you don't have have to be like that. But, and a lot of it was, you know, you had Woody Allen movies like What's Up Tiger Lily, where they deliberately dubbed something as a joke. Um, So things weren't taken seriously. They're like, oh, well, you know, Godzilla movies are silly. Uh, They're all for kids. And, you know, so people abandon, you know, quote unquote childish things as they got older. And it, it doesn't, you know, it didn't stick until come around to like 91-ish or 92-ish when uh, Towards the Future came out and then uh, Tiga came out and you had a bunch of kids like, oh, oh this is this new Ultraman thing. And then, of course, they dropped the ball after that because it wasn't as successful because they shuffled the time around on it so often. Uh, they only did, I think, half of the series uh, as a dub. And they also, again, tried to make it too comedic. Yeah. Like, it had to be funny. I don't, I don't get that. I do think the Netflix series it pays, uh, like, treats it pretty nicely, treats it well in a modern context. And like, half. I think that could be a big jumping on point for people to be like, oh, wait, there's other Ultraman stuff and kind of look into it. 100%. Yeah. 100%. I was say, it's kind of weird with these old franchises, though, because just from listening to you guys talk, it reminds me a lot of... Um, Doctor Who. I'm a I'm a pretty big Doctor Who person, I, which only happened for mm-hmm. me in the last kind of like probably six or seven years. Uh, for people who don't know, like Doctor Who was kind of considered like you know niche kind of like kids content, um, which it's been around for over fifty years, and you know especially like for the BBC, it's kind of this iconic old work. And like there's episodes that are missing because BBC just taped over the masters and stuff like that. And like every every few years they'll go like I think it was like twenty again twenty fourteen or twenty thirteen. They found like an old public access TV station in Africa that had uh, VHS tapes. They were shipped in a closet that were like three lost episodes were recovered. Um, but weirdly, oh, wow. like with these old franchises, like long as like people carry them long enough, they kind of like lurk below the surface, like a rebellion or something. And at some point, they kind of they kind of like bubble up. Like you know, Doctor Who, like the you know now they release any of the big special stuff in theaters and they make you know ten to twenty million dollars worldwide and like. In ways it never would have even 15 years ago, let alone 30 years ago. So weirdly, now it's kind of, I don't know if this is kind of the power of the internet, that these, you know, quote unquote, obscure series, like, 
you know, the collective fandom can kind of come together and make the presence kind of more known and they can make stuff for it. Um, but that's why it, it just from everything I'm vaguely aware of Ultraman now kind of feels like the time for it to kind of step forward. At least yes. in American culture. Yeah. yeah. Like the, uh, the reboot the you know, early two thousands or whatever that was for Dr. Who, I feel like that really created the fandom in the United States at least. And then people start looking into the past stuff. So we just need to keep making more good new Ultraman stuff and, or, or any beloved franchise that's underappreciated, you know, like anything you, uh, reboot is going to get people to look backwards and kind of start appreciating some of that older stuff that might've been overlooked. So hopefully this Marvel book can be, uh, the start of something great going forward with making it more mainstream or bringing more people in to appreciate Ultraman. Mm-hmm. What's beautiful about both franchises is, uh, you don't have to start particularly anywhere, especially with, with Ultraman. You just go, people see it and they're like, holy crap, it goes back to 66 or 63 with Doctor Who. Um, I can't catch up on all that. You don't have to. For one thing, it's not like American television where there's 26 episodes a year from 1963 to, <laughs> to 2020. Uh, that would be an immense burden on anybody, even during a pandemic. But you have, there are gaps. And with Ultraman especially, they're like, here's... 13 to 52 episodes of this story. <laughs> then it's over. Then we start another story. It may or may not be connected. If it is, it's connected tangentially. And we'll make it fun so you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Which is so cool. Um, I love that aspect of like a lot of these like um Toku franchises where it's just like, hey, we're just gonna go hard for a year and then something entirely mm-hmm. different. Like um we just did our first episode on the new common Rider Commander Saber. And uh, wow, that was a bit of a, a like whiplash from uh, the end of this like really cool like AI focused show about like what is humanity and what is this? And then it was like, also, we're going to start doing like 50 new episodes, entirely new staff, like new writing, like new themes. This one's about books and fairy tales. And we're like, OK, just go for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I like a drastic change like that, too, because everybody goes, and, and this is the curse of fandom, what, be it Doctor Who, Star Wars, any fandom, is people go, well, this is just more of the same. And then the creators go, all right, well, we're going to completely change everything. And you get a segment of the fandom that goes, not like that. <laughs> you have to thread the needle the way I, I want you to, not the way... Yeah, everyone's spending 100%. money. Yeah, yep. yeah. And you're like, well, dude, like, look, we're not the Ramones or Motorhead, as, as brilliant as those bands are. But they, you veer off the path, and people go like, but this, that's not Motorhead. Well, it's just not the Ramones shouldn't have keyboards, right? And you're just like, dude, like, <laughs> let creative people try to be creative. You don't have to like it, but they'll do something different next time. It's it's. It, it is it's how art works no yeah um i watched the first episode of that new series three times just because i felt like my first blush opinion was like way harsher than it should be and like i should actually be like more diplomatic like that and actually have like a view besides i don't like it so yeah that's like a definite like it's an issue even when you're like trying to but yeah like when there's different stuff it just like it, it deepens the overall like portrait of like what something can be so like even if like 
in 2007 there was like a series that you don't like in a franchise like also it's kept going and it's done different stuff like it's all right you know Mm -hmm. it's like a deeper like thing because of it right and there will probably be one at some point that really connects with each person you know it's it's like power rangers or anything else where it's like you know i wasn't crazy about that series but then you see the the next year's at you know previews and you're like oh this one looks like the one for me and eventually if you keep you know giving it enough chances there'll be one that really grabs you like even it can come from somewhere you don't really like you maybe you don't like the costumes from this new series but you give it a try and there's a character you really love or you really love the villains or something so yeah i I think fans need to be kind to their franchises you know yeah yeah 100 percent. sometimes um you're superman and you have like an awesome mullet and sometimes you're back to normal. <laughs> I think as fans, you become possessive of something. You're like, well, I was, I was watching Ultraman when it was on a public access or a yeah, like a, on a cable channel out of Philadelphia in 1978, and that therefore I have ownership of it because I've been a fan since then. Or I was watching Doctor Who on a public access channel in 1984. In high school, uh, when I was home on Saturday night, uh, because I was a colossal nerd and Doctor Who made me feel better, so therefore, I I should um, you know they, it should be how I want it. And you're like, you don't own it. That's not you. It, you know what? Make it then. Yeah. God, make the thing you want. Well, there's there's no there's no there's no nobody saying you can't even do fanfic or you can't. Uh, there are people who watched Doctor Who when they were kids, who now work on Doctor Who. I'm not saying move to Japan and hopefully get a job on Ultraman, but you could do something. Right. You know, don't complain about it. Make a podcast. Do, you know, do do something. Do the thing that you want to do and put something out into the world that is positive instead of being a grump about it all the time. Yeah, as a, as a giant, like, comic fan, you know, and, person that goes to these movies and obviously i like some of the movies and i dislike some of the movies i always try to remember um, when x3 came out i was just old enough that uh, my mom would let me take my little brother like she would drop us off out front and i could take him into the theater and be just me and him and we'd use a payphone to call her to pick us up nice. and we walked out of x3 and you know, i forget <laughs> what year it was how old i was i was also a bit of an immature kid so it might have been later than it should have been but i'm me and my brother walked out like man that was awesome like wow beasted backflips and like it was so dramatic and there were these like schlubby nerds came walking out like, what a piece of shit. That movie was terrible. Like X-Men's dead forever. And me and my brother, I remember so clearly we looked at each other like, man, what the hell's their problem? You know? What right, movie totally. Did they so I'm like, you know, even when I walk out of something, you know, I don't like now. And like, as an adult with a complex kind of, you know, view on things, I can say this was, you know, like systematically probably maybe a bad movie. I can still say, but every movie is going to be somebody's, somebody's X3 or somebody's first something or, you know, it's, 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 Especially with these huge franchises, um, you know, something like Ultraman, where you're just like kind of dipping your toes in the bigger ocean. Like, you know, if people, what you're going to spark to is going to be just little things. Like, it's going to be a character design or a song or, you know, some little action set piece that's going to touch you in this way. It doesn't have to be some big complex, like, well, really, the 13 episode season structure didn't really bring true to me. Um, no shade to me. <laughs> and the funny thing, too, with these yeah. big franchises, like, kind of what the true north for them is like, even though they're like kind of campy mainstream content, it's kind of like heady stuff. Like, you know, Doctor Who's about is is this kind of traveler going through space and time and meeting people, being charmed by them, and having adventures. Like, you can get like really in the minutia right. of like, 
well, should the villain be really be functioning this way? And is this version of the Doctor in the shape of the TARDIS? Like, man, it's kind of like, like simpler and more honest than that, but also more heady than that. Like a funny way too. That it's really just kind of about that POV of like adventure for adventure's sake. And you know, my, what I love about it is at no point does you know a giant building fall over, or like you know, a huge VFX like laser go off or something. But I'm sure same with kind of Ultraman, or even same with kind of Common Rider in that way. Like, you know, they put this new varnish over it now, right? Where there's fairy tales and swords or whatever there is, but. I don't know. The, I'm, I'm sure the kind of the fundamental basics of a common writer series I'm sure are still there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it is. Well, it's like every time you're in the car, and I don't, I, I don't really listen to the radio very much anymore, um, but this will illustrate my point. You A song will come on, and you're like, ugh, I can't stand this song. Somewhere, statistically, there is someone probably not more than two miles away from you sitting in a car going, oh, this is my jam. And they turn it up. <laughs> like, it's not, not everything for everybody. I, I, I'm 30 years old. I can't listen. I'm done listening to Hotel California. I just, I hit. I, we, we had the conversation at work about that the other night. I've heard it enough. It's a great I'm song, done. but I'm done with it. I don't Every ever need time to hear it. My life. <laughs> it's, it's okay. Brown Eyed Girl by Van Morrison. Great song. Done. Never need to hear it again. It's perfect. Great. I'm done. I'm full. Thank you. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. One question that like I had like uh toward the like issue of taste though is um how do we think that um like they've been adapting Ultraman? Because I think like we've like touched on that and like uh between like that anime and like manga between like this new comic like it feels like they're making an effort to say all right we are released from any legal complications we want to go global we want to release things in like the direct format which is also like a like interesting strategy like that they have like teaming up with like tokusatsu and like um like crunchyroll and stuff but um they definitely seem to be like let's vary what we're doing to try and hit the market in like a different way and like hit different fans in like different places. It seems like they're going for like a diversified type of thing, kind of like, you know, common rider or the different doctors. It's like, it's good to mix things up a little bit because you'll appeal to different people. And if someone's just a diehard fan of doctor of doctor who, or I actually meant to say Ultraman, they're going to seek out all these different iterations and maybe consume them all and then find the one that they really like. But if you're just a comic mm-hmm. book reader and you you know buy anything that says Marvel on it, then that's one entrance into the Ultraman fandom. Or if you're just a Netflix person and you liked Ruby or something and you're like, hey, this animation looks kind of cool, you try it out and it's kind of a, a more gritty version. And you know each each version is a little bit different flavor so that you can uh, you know attract more people into the franchise and hopefully make them happy with uh, all the different types of things you're making. Yeah, I think the the problem has been Ultraman is a very um Japanese mm-hmm. uh product. Um the the every you know you see a lot, you see this theme in a lot of Japanese be it anime tokusatsu films do your best. Like this is it's about it's about the process a lot of times, not necessarily the result. When people watch it and they're like, oh, but that's a fake building. I'm like, yeah, but look how well it's put together. 
that it falls apart in a certain way. That's the what part of the point of Tokusatsu is. You're not only appreciating the story, but you're appreciating the artistry of people who build these things that are built for one thing to fall apart in a certain way to look good on camera. So it's 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 multi layered. Yeah, you can you can be excited that there's two guys in uh, in latex suits beating the ever loving crap out of each other and blowing stuff up, but. There's also a team of people who are like, yeah, look, we built tiny bicycles and newspaper machines that catch fire at the bottom of the frame. Right. There's so much artistry that you know, would be appreciated. I think when you first might see Ultraman, you, you're like, these two monsters are fighting in a giant city and they're actually destroying it. But then, you know, as an adult, you're like, someone built that city so that it looks like this. And then also think about what it would be like to be inside that rubber suit doing this wrestling chore- uh, choreography. Like, it takes a lot of skill and a lot of art to make the series look the way it does. And it's so cool. All the practical effects, you know, people go crazy about the practical effects in Star Wars and people are diehards about that. But there's a, I mean, every, I don't know, every tokusatsu series has so much really amazing stuff they can do with practical effects. It's, It's awesome. I love it. And they, they're integrating, I'm sorry, they're integrating the digital really mm-hmm. well. Right. The newer series definitely uh, feel modern. Uh, you know, it, they don't yeah. have maybe the same budget as a Marvel movie or something, but they're using some of the same techniques to uh, appeal to a modern audience, too. So it's not all just like throwback vintage, you know, 60s looking stuff. It, it looks like it's made today. 100%. Sorry for cutting you off before. Oh, you're good. That's that's all I was saying at that point. And that does bring up the... the... See, that brings up the point, though. I think the real challenge with this stuff, especially someone that, like, you know, I like plenty of American content, but then I think something like, you know, Full Metal Alchemist, the, the manga series, and then Brotherhood, the series that actually adapts it, to me, is, like, one of my all-time favorite TV shows ever. Like, I like it more than Sopranos. I like it more than any of this stuff, you know? Um, but the camp is, it's, it's really tricky to get people over that hump, um, partially because, like Rich was saying, you know, there are, one, there's, there's themes that I think are, are beautiful and compelling that, you know, exist in this stuff that just don't exist as much in American content. Um, big one for me is rivalry. I love how, how prevalent rivalry is in Japanese content, like healthy rivalry that we, we have to compete to grow, but that just doesn't really exist in American stuff. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I try to show buddy pull out because I'm like, this is beautiful. And if you take it right, you're going to love it. But then as soon as milk tears happens, like they're out, you know, like it just, they, they, they just don't know how to like, handle that. Um, and it's funny with these series, especially, um, you know, like you're saying with the buildings falling over and stuff, like it's so of itself, that it, I guess, is trying to find a way to sort of present that stuff in a way that's charming and endearing. You know, like, I went to, it took me two tries to see Shin Godzilla in theaters um, in Los Angeles. And, like, when I finally got to see it, like, when there was that, you know, when the little vehicles came screeching down, like, the rail tracks, and then, like, there was, at the end, it was, like, this giant, like, weird model for what happened. I'm trying not to spoil it, but also trying to remember what happened. Like, you know, you could tell that the audience was able to appreciate, like, yeah, here's these, like, crazy miniatures and, like, you know, these set pieces that are done in a way that don't feel like kind of homogenous vfx that that you know a lot of big budget stuff does now like the way that we're used to experiencing genre content here in the west um so i i do still think kind of that that camp is going to be a hurdle to get over but it, you know um kip and i talked about this mm-hmm. a little bit last time when i was on when i started watching die ranger and common rider like it's so of itself though you know it's such a specific like there's a, there's such a strong aesthetic um that maybe if you can get people into it enough and at this point you know, it really shows you how homogenous all the other stuff we kind of check out is. Um, you know, you've, you've seen you've seen a million dark sequences when a giant skyscraper falls, a VFX skyscraper falls over, and you feel nothing. 
try watching one of these, you know, guys get thrown through a bunch of these fake buildings, and you're going to be charmed and think it's kind of exciting in a different way. Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that's one of the problems I have with, uh, like, when you see the American Godzilla films, as brilliant as a technological achievement as it is to see right there with giant you. skyscrapers come down, it's almost too real. Like, it's almost a little distressing. You're like, mm, I get, mm-mm. you know, that, that kind of hits me on a little bit of a visceral level. Whereas you watch something like an Ultraman or a practical effect Godzilla film or something like that, where you can just go like, okay, good. Like, your brain knows like, okay, this is, this is a movie. It's fun. It's, or it's compelling or whatever it is. And this just happened. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's almost like our brains haven't quite caught up to it enough to not have that little bit of a freak out <laughs> when it's too real. Oh, yeah. Uh, for me, like, me. Um, I have gone on record. I'll continue to go on record. I do not think it is possible to make a good or that nobody has really tr- actually made a good American Godzilla movie. Um, there are things that you can like about some of the movies, but I don't think they are the same things that like you might like in like a normal Godzilla movie. Um, that's just me. Like, like it's just like, there's something about the constraints of a physical space that really matter to when you're doing something Mm -hmm. with unreality. Like even when you're looking at like, um, like, um, Ray Harry house and like special effects, like it kind of works and matters because there's a physical space there. And like, I think that, um, the tactile, like, feel that you have of like a building that you can tell is rigged to be destroyed is made in like miniature that just informs something about like um the action and what's happening that like it just um means a lot more than when just a building is like very clearly like blown up in like cg where like like how many times have we seen that like massive like like parking lot get destroyed by aliens that like hate cars that like d- like it does not matter <laughs> versus like <laughs> effects uh, Ultraman monsters do not like cars either man they just do not yeah they don't but they like will hit the cars if they're like weird feet or they're weird hands like a lot of times so it's like more fun I don't know yeah oh I agree and I, I love the fact that in, over at the last five or six series the VFX artists in Japan are like, hey, when that monster foot comes down and swipes all those cars away, all the alarms should go off, right? <laughs> and somebody was like, oh, yeah, duh. So it's like you see a bunch of cars go, and then just, wee, 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 like yeah. tons of different car alarms go off. Um, or like a footfall comes and you see, the, you see the view through like an office building, right? So it's an empty office. Everyone's been evacuated. A footfall comes. And just all the desks get upended. And you're just like, oh, that's the level of detail. Oh, that's It's not beautiful. standing in for something. It's adding to something, which I think is like, as much as some people might be like, oh, the CG in this show that runs for 52 episodes isn't as good as a Marvel movie. Um, it's like just very much like <laughs> right. it is really additive. And I think like when it's like done like in like a sparing manner, like a like a preliminary like manner is the best because like that's the thing of godzilla movies too like in the 80s they were like well we're still filming these the same way 
but there's like some better camera mm-hmm. like quality. So let's just make things more detailed. And I think if you, your issue when seeing a giant building is like uh, that, it's not a real building. I think you need to like reconsider and say, okay, can I enjoy things or am I going to like let myself be pulled out of things because of like weird ideas of maturity that shouldn't really matter once you've left high school and like shouldn't even matter in high school, you know? Well, I'm at the point in my life where I go like what you like. Not everybody has to like what you like. That's a, that's a, a very immature tribalistic uh, mindset. Like, why can't everybody be into this? Well, then you'd be mad that it was mainstream. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And and then that way you have, I don't know, I like the idea of kind of focusing on, on smaller or more niche, like, creators. You know, people who are doing crowdfunding and people who are just, like, creators that you follow. Because, you know, there's this magical number. I, I don't know if Kevin Smith, like, came up with a concept or just popularized it, but you have, you need like a thousand true fans to be able to make a career at doing something creative, whether you're like, you know, a painter or a musician, if there's a thousand people who will buy everything you do, uh, you're going to be able to make it. And so if everyone only goes to the Marvel movies, it's like, yes, they do. There's a ton of credits in those movies, but those are, you know, it's owned by Disney. It's a humongous corporation where there's local, you know, comics creators in your town, if not your town, your town, then your County or someone making indie video games or something like that. Like there's other places that you can try to find something that's more tailored maybe to your brain or more connects with your specific things you're frustrated with in pop culture or in the movies you're watching or, or in the world. And uh, so, yeah, I don't know. You can always take your money elsewhere to a place that might need it more anyway. So yeah, there's something for everybody out there. You just got to keep looking for it. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Like for example, um, you don't need to engage with the big stuff. Sometimes you just be like, right now there's a big argument with people that have a like moral disagreement with um a certain creator and don't want to um continue to give her money. And there's some people saying, well, like you have to support it. It's like, well, no, no, you don't. No, you don't. Like your default no. state of being isn't supporting big companies. Like <laughs> sometimes, like just take a step back and say, all right. What do I like? What do I want to engage with? It's proof. And yeah, have right. fun. Don't just like worry about like what's big or like the conversation, the discourse like to have, you know? <coughs> yeah. Well, the problem is people are like, but I like, I love that story so much. It's like, yeah, you you still can. It's fine. You, you can still love that story. That's, that doesn't change personal relationships to you. Um, you can, like the art and think that the artist is reprehensible. It happens. Why? Because human beings are multi-layered and sometimes you don't see the layers until much later. I can still watch Buffy the Vampire Slayer and and Angel and the Avengers and then you hear stuff about Joss Whedon and you go yeah. okay, maybe not so much now but I can still enjoy that. Yeah, absolutely. And the same thing with like uh, Lovecraft. Uh, what's it called? Lovecraft. Lovecraft Country. Yeah, oh, HP Lovecraft. I mean, yeah. that is extremely problematic. But there's so many new works that are just kind of inverting it, and creators that he, you know, would have been offended by, like just them existing and them having rights. He's long dead, and they're just taking his, you know, his mythos and making it uh, suit their needs and 
be able to tell the stories that they need to tell, which is really cool. Yeah. yeah 100%. And same thing with, with, you know, like Harry Potter, there's so many alternatives that are pro LGBTQ <laughs> oh, yeah. or, you know, different flavors of that type of story. that are smaller creators who are actually going to notice if you buy their book instead of this humongous corporation that's just watching the dollars come in. It's there's, there's smaller creators who are doing better stuff almost all the time. <laughs> Well, you know, yeah, the problem is you get, you get somebody who, after a certain point of success, has no editor. Right, right. And you need somebody to go like, hey, maybe peel that back a little bit, or maybe do, and you start buying your own nonsense. That's the problem. But that's everybody's subject to that. It, it happens to well, actually, everybody. I think it's just kind of, especially like, talking about Ultraman and stuff like this, it's kind of a really cool time for, I mean, nerdy stuff in particular, but even if you're just small fans of stuff, like... I mean, you got to remember, 15 years ago, we were right around a release of Ghost Rider 2. You know, the iconic red box, you know, like dollar store bargain bin DVD that is Ghost Rider 2. And like now... That was End- 15 years ago. Wow. And like Endgame... Oh my yeah. God. But like now Endgame made $2 billion in a weekend. And that, you know, and that, like, look how, look at that escalation, right? I mean, we're, you know, there's, I don't know, the way that this stuff can kind of creep out now, you know, like, Doctor Who was built on the backs of like some, you know, my, my parents, funny enough, are kind of a very middle American people. They see me watching Doctor Who, like, they see the blue box, they're like, wait, that was that thing that, like, kids I didn't really talk to in high school watched, like, in the 70s. I was like, yeah, and then they kept watching it, and then either they wrote better stuff or they inspired people to write better stuff, and, like, now I'm loving the hell out of it. Like, that's, we're all, you know, all this little nerdy stuff, we all we all really love it so much that we kind of become these torchbearers, um, and I think what we see in it, you know, the, th- the stuff we react to, whether it's the production values, the, the emotional core of it, the scope, the storytelling... You know, like, kind of get to his point, too, about the thousand fans thing. Like, it really is true. If you stand by something, you know, it, just a few of us kind of like nerds, it, it's amazing kind of seeing what they'll, what they'll build it up into, where they'll take it, and what it can become once it actually gets the resources it deserves and things, you know? I mean, that's what the Marvel movies are. I mean, God, I'm, at this point, it's such like a meme. You can look up that original Captain America movie, and it's like, uh, like it looks like a soap opera, you know? Um, but then, then, you, then you come <laughs> oh, to now, yeah. and, you know, Winter Soldier is debatably the best Marvel movie. I'm willing, willing to argue that one, but you know, it, it's the escalations there to, you know, it, and it's built on the backs of just people who like this stuff, you know, and people who are buying three dollar issues or five ninety nine Ultraman number ones or whatever the heck it is. Um, yeah, man, boy, that was a shock. Cash register. I mean, always happy to support the comic shop, but cover prices, man, that's what that, that's one of my old dad arguments. Are. How's a high school kid supposed to afford this? But. Um, Oh, please. I'm this I do that too with action figures. I'm like, how's a kid supposed to collect them yeah, all if they're twelve dollars, you. you know? Uh, but yeah, if we carry this stuff long enough, it really does that that loyalty does have that, that means something, especially in these modern days being able to collect algorithms and data and all this crap about who's actually watching stuff, you know. And I think that's mm-hmm. important too, because um like they didn't do a traditional Ultraman like story, like in this first issue. Like um this is yeah, like this oh, is like very much burn. like right. hearkening to stuff like um like to stuff like Fantastic Four and Shield rather than like the base like franchise. It's much more like here's how we can introduce people and both like connect it to to like that like what was like sixties Marvel and what is like modern Marvel too, like versus like just like going straight in to like what you might like see as like an ultra man fan is like the main like part of that experience too, you know? Right. And yeah. Um, and the same way, um, with that, um, with that like manga, cause, uh, um, 
that is going for that like hardcore like um like uh more violent like shonen kind of like series kind of thing where it's like let's try and just introduce like this um like half version which i think is a really smart idea and the fact that they've teamed up with marvel i think they're definitely like trying to get a cartoon or like a a like movie maybe not live action mcu in the near future but like something like big hero six out of this like they're trying to say hey let's get a like let's get something like all they need is like one good like one good movie or like tv show to like get like a like massive fandom coming in like all they need is like one good ship in one of the like main series and kind of like set like a like fandom up like they're like super poised because they're like so flexible right now with what they're doing they're changing things up so much without like losing that core yeah that's the one advantage that this show has is uh, like doctor who uh you don't like this guy stick around it'll get different that's basically you know it'll basically I be bet different. marvel yeah. has like actual like movie plans in like the near future like not like mcu but like let's make an animated like ultraman movie because that'll be huge for them if they do it right that could be cool. Be, yeah. Do you think they would mash it up with any of their other characters? Like, would they do a crossover with Giant Man or something? Or I do think the Big Hero Six angle might be kind of cool. Yeah, I would. I would rather see see them keep it to uh, its own sandbox at first. But you know, with the multiverse line in the Marvel Cinematic Universe now, who knows? Uh, actually, you know? my dream. This just popped into my head. But if they did a Supida Man uh, crossover, like if they if if Ultraman, oh God, yeah. you know, if, if this is a five issue miniseries, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. If if in issue yeah. five, uh, you see, um, oh man, Leo Pardon, which is uh, Spider Man's giant robot. Uh, if they have a fight <laughs> or something, and then they do that to launch a Supida Man comic book series, that would just complete my life. That's the other like uh, Tokusatsu vintage thing that I'm just obsessed with as Supida Man. So that would be so amazing. I would love that. Yeah, that used to be right. on the Marvel website to stream I for remember free. It. I remember it well. Uh, I think it's on YouTube still. I know a lot of Ultraman's on YouTube too, by the way. Um, so I don't yeah. know. I don't know about the rights for that. But I've heard rumors that that's coming oh. back. I've had heard rumors that that's getting a physical release. I think I'm that's so going to show up in the next Spider-Verse. Uh, like, that's I, like right? almost definitely going to show up. I kept thinking it was... Oh, yes, that is, that, that is, that's part of it. He will be in the next Spider-Verse. Wow. That's, oh, that's really? been confirmed. <gasps> Oh, God. That oh, has been confirmed, yeah. So I think we'll probably see a physical release of Spider-Man when that comes, when, you know, oh, once we see man, that. That makes out. me so happy to hear. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty exciting. It's a good time to be a fan of stuff like that. Everything else is crap, but boy, are we getting a lot of stuff to watch. <laughs> well, Norris, I, I was mostly curious, um, since, since I'm on live with an actual expert, has, has Ultraman, has there been, like, like ongoing mangas or anything like that before, like in, in the history of it. Cause I think it is funny. You know, we spent all this time talking about the visual craft of it and trying to introduce it people to it through a comic. Like I get that you're going to get the mythology out of it, but I do kind of wonder, and this is as the comic self publisher and someone who adores comics, but like, do you really get the full experience? You know, because when you put a, like, like we were just saying, when you put a Ultraman book on a shelf next to giant man or next to Spider-Man or, you know, any Marvel book, you're oh, okay. This is like a new superhero. But what this world is, is so much more than that. And like, you know, kind of when you take the ride, you're, you're taking a ride for more than that. So I'm wondering if, if they've had success with the comic before. 
I would say, I, I know there's been Ultraman manga, but it, it's not something that was, again, you'd find it and you'd go, this is great, I can't understand anything. Uh, <laughs> because nobody, there was no, nobody was fan translating um, manga, at least as far as I know, back when I would see Ultraman print material at uh, conventions and, and stuff. I've been looking happening. in, you know, comic shops and kind of Japanese pop culture shops for for so long, like my whole adult life, basically. But the only things I ever find are this like 93 uh, comic book series, which I think was only three issues. And I've got two of them um, that were from Harvey Comics originally. And then Nemesis did like a second printing in 94. And then the 20, then the 2011 oh, manga, yeah. that's all I've ever seen. So I don't think it's been done that, that I've been able to find, at least not released in the West, um, other than those two things, which are, you know, the 2011 manga is set 40 years after the original series. It's pretty different. Um, so it's, I don't know, it seems like this might be the first time in the West, at least, that this character has been put in print at all, which is kind of crazy. Right, sure. Definitely the first one I've ever come across. Um, yeah. The easy comparison, you know, is I'm just talking to like people in the comic community about it. Is they try to compare it to the Boom Power Rangers book, which obviously has been hugely successful, but this feels like very different than that in a lot of ways. And it kind of feels like it has a different challenge and a different task than that, than that boom power Rangers book does. Um, so I'm sort of, I, I didn't realize there's only five issues. Um, so I wonder if, if this is in some ways just meant to be a prelude to a larger initiative or if this is supposed to be just sort of beta testing for a larger push of some kind. I hope so. Cause I think the boom power Rangers comics grabbed a ton of people and I don't know, I haven't looked at much public reception. I haven't uh, talked to anybody except for you guys about this comic, but it didn't quite grab me the way I thought it would. Uh, it wasn't as compelling. It didn't feel like an issue one. It felt like just kind of a combination of, of like, uh, like backup stories or something. It kind of felt weird to me. I kind of liked the fact that it was like, we're, we're really, um, they did a nice slow surprisingly. And I was like, wait, there's yeah, an Ultra the Ultra Q stuff was too. great. Like and Pigmon then, stuff. Yeah, I think it's all gonna. I think it's all. Oh yeah, the little pigmon stories were cute too. Yeah, I think it's all gonna like mesh together because they do it in the show too, where you're like, I don't see how this is gonna make any. You know, the, I've I've started a couple of Ultraman series and I'm like, yeah, it's Ultraman. I'll keep watching it. I'm not super compelled by this. Um, but and then like five episodes and you're just like, oh, I see where <laughs> that is true. That's there. They're not afraid right, of the long that's game. True. Um, and I just, I compared this to the first episode of the 66 series and there is so much more action in that mm. initial episode. You're meeting a lot more <laughs> characters. There's a giant kaiju fight. There's oh, sure. two different kinds of, of science patrol vehicles. It's just a lot more action. It feels like an issue one of a comic book. Whereas this didn't quite feel that way. I mean, I like it and they are setting some things up. Like I think there's, the ultra Q thing is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and that the same character, for sure. uh, was it, what's the guy's name? Um, Oh yeah, yeah no, of course he's the main, yeah. the main guy, but, uh, the guy who's in ultra Q, the, the male lead is oh. also the leader. Bollocks, uh, uh, oh, Satoru, uh, Ichinotani is the commander in the main story. Uh, so the old man in this, oh, okay. the old yeah, man in the front is the, the young Duh. man in the, the second story in the comic book, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And also oh, the great. very first panel, um, I think that's a reference to ultra seven. Did anybody else catch that? 
that uh, the very first page, Moriboshi no. uh, gets hit. And I thought, oh, yes, I was like, yes, is that yes. Hayata? They called him the wrong name or something? Um, and then on the very last page, there's kind of like a teaser of what's coming up. And it looks like uh, Ultra 7 is fighting against Ultraman. So I'm like, okay, so maybe he didn't actually die um, when they all thought he died. But he instead went on to become Ultra 7 and then maybe eventually died like he did in the Ultra 7 show. So, yeah, sorry if this is getting off the rails, but they're setting up some cool stuff with um, not just the Ultraman as we know and see on the cover, but another Ultraman character. Right. Yeah, I think I think they're going to re... Sorry, I think I think they, they do with every iteration of Ultraman. They're going to rejigger it um, to suit whatever story they want to tell because, uh, because Ultraman also has yes. a multiverse. <laughs> And origins can be rejiggered as necessary, which is good because that lets you tell whatever kind of story you want without being a super slave to continuity, which would be almost impossible after six. And like to the point of like um, the first episode of the like 66 like series that was like just like a very different like audience too. like here. It matters um, that I guess Fuji keeps having trouble getting a like date with her partner or like it matters that like oh like Shin's like a real like cool rogue scientist rather than like oh like this weird giant of light showed up and picked me to help like save the world let's punch some stuff like like that was <laughs> like like that TV show's like form yeah. and like how well it like how well it executed mattered more than the story versus like it does have to like go for like a very like different audience. Like even how like Ultraman is like presented to where it's like, Oh, he's vulnerable. He's hurt. Like he's reaching out versus how like authoritatively, I think he reaches out and says, hello, I am a giant of light. Like, please work with me versus like, I'm going to. Right. I thought that was kind of a cool subversion where I like what they did in the comics more. Cause in the original show, uh, Ultraman, that, that alien, accidentally kills Hayata and that's why he like is like sorry I killed you you can have my life to make up for it basically whereas in this yeah. Hayata shoots him and is like oh I'm sorry like I didn't realize that was going to hurt you and then they like touch and it looks like he's going to get the Ultraman powers in issue 2 um, so it's kind of a cool inversion where Hayata hurt Ultraman instead of the other way around which was basically like an accidental uh, crash you know so it's it's kind of cool I like that that change is neat well, almost every Ultra series starts with a new yeah. team. <laughs> like, oop, you, sorry we killed you. <laughs> Even the last one, Tyga. Um, Ultraman Tyga's like, yeah, we uh, accidentally killed you. And he's like, what? And he's like, no, 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 no we got this. We Don't do this worry. all we're the gonna, time. We're going to make this right. <laughs> and, yeah, it's sadly, yes, we do. Uh, <laughs> we've gotten real good at the paperwork at this point. So <laughs> That's great. My one big feeling walking away yeah. from reading this issue, though, is that I think this is a series that's going to live better in um, collected format when it finally all comes out, because it really did feel like mm. so clearly like someone sat down, wrote 200 pages, and then just had to chop it up. Um, oh, I wanted issue yeah. two. Yeah, like, I was surprised it kind of ended when it did. Um, I was like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, like come on. <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say, just, you know, if you want to get someone into this stuff, to me, it's like, I mean, that's like to me. It's like paying six dollars for a Power Rangers comic, and they don't, you know, they don't put on, they don't morph for it in the first issue. I was like, you got to give me more than that. Like, like, 
you know, at this point, fortunately, I'm a 30 year old guy with a good enough job that you're going to, you know, I'm going to buy all five issues no matter what. But if I would feel like so burned if I was like 14, I was like, are you kidding me? I got one finger touch and then I got to see the glowing eyeballs. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm right. That's I'm hoping when the trade comes out, it'll, it'll, it'll kind of be a second round of people. Looking forward. That's yeah, a really good I point and that. kind of a more mature standpoint than what I'm coming from, I think, because I still have like my you know, little kid brain on where it's like, what? I didn't get, there's no cool fight scene. I didn't get to see any cool like technology or like there was no uh, kaiju in the main story, except for seeing Ultraman, maybe two different kinds of Ultraman. Right. Uh, So yeah, I was just expecting issue one to have at least some kind of transformation, some kind of thing to kind of grab you. Like, like the first episode of, of most manga is like, there's a, a call to action that like really shows you kind of a preview of what the whole series will be like. Whereas this was much more methodical and it feels like the first act of a movie instead of a 20 minute TV yeah. show, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought it was so strange too to spend so much time. Uh, yeah, it might yeah. be a lot of the first Ant-Man movie um, in a lot of ways where we spend the whole issue with this female character who's like clearly very competent. And then this other dude shows up at the end and he gets all the powers. I was like, what? But I spent the whole time warning about like this girl. I'm like, how could it be? How could it be an agent she is? Why the hell did he get the power? But that first Ant-Man movie, I'm like, it should definitely be Hope in the suit. Yep. Not, not Scott. I mean, I love Paul Rudd. So I'm glad he got the powers. But um, it was it was strange to, that, that's why it, it felt like they just really had to cut it wherever they did for, you know, for whatever reason. Maybe it was going to be four issues and they decided to make it five. So they had to kind of spread some of the story out a little bit. Uh, but I mean, I, I, I think... Is this Kyle Higgins writing this? Yeah, he. I, I, uh, yeah, yeah, he, he's great. So I, 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 I would um, kind of pepper any criticism I have with I, I 100% trust this guy. So I'm sure. He does. I think it was a nice subversion of expectations. You're like, oh, this is our, this is. Maybe you, you think like, oh, maybe this is going to be our hero. Oh, nope, it's this one. That's fine. <laughs> I wasn't yeah, expecting it, it, but okay. It's interesting too. I imagine that a lot of the people reading this have seen the Netflix show or read that 2011 manga that it's based on. Um, so in right. that series, it's set 40 years after the original series where Shin Hayata was, you know, the kind of Ultraman 40 years ago. And in this, it starts on, out in 1966. So I was like, okay, so is this kind of like the manga where this is going to be Shin Hayata meeting Ultraman, which is what happens on the first page. But it's not. It's it's Moriboshi who is Ultra Seven, and then forty years later from that, or I guess it's actually longer than that because it's twenty twenty in this story, I believe. Uh, then Shin Hayata is a kid, so it's like oh, so they're definitely. It's just a little bit, I don't know, weird coming like the, as the last Ultraman media I I consumed was the Netflix uh, ONA, I guess you could call it original net animation. Um, <laughs> And then going into this, it's like it, it uses some of the same time frames and some of the same kind of story concepts, but with different characters in those positions, which is just a little weird. Um, but I like the way it's set up now, you know, reading it after reading it back through a second time. I'm like, oh, OK, I see what they're setting up here. Um, yeah. And I think like what they had to do was let's do mystery and the human angle, because this isn't about even like this is called the rise of Ultraman. That like The implication, too, is like, oh, yeah, right. we're going to do more of this like even if it's like we just do like a really cool like disney plus series that's still like in the cards like they want to do like this is such a big property and like i think like a big thing about like toku stuff is like oh in like the streaming wars and like the content wars it's like oh holy crap there's thousands of hours of coherent 
connected like franchises that we can connect to that have like big multiverse like crossovers and everything. This is what everybody wants. This is like what everyone like is trying to do right now and just to access that at all. Like if like um Marvel or like Disney puts like the backing like behind like a western expansion of like Ultraman, that's huge. Yeah. Yeah. And like as opposed like to like um what Kamen Rider's doing, which like I love Kamen Rider. Uh it's my favorite of the major Tokyo franchises. That is much more playing it straight. Like let's release stuff, let's release toys. Like I love like I think Ultraman might be a bigger deal or like do better just because like it's like so iconic slash it's like so willing to change its form like as we see here. Yeah, they're not afraid to try try uh, try. Well, not, none of these shows are afraid to mess with the formula a little bit because otherwise it becomes stale. Yeah, very true. I I think for me a lot of uh, Tokusatsu like I guess hmm. so if you think about like Godzilla movies, a lot of times the part that are my favorite are with the kaiju and the human parts kind of are like eh, whatever um i just feel like the pacing of this one is just like it's all the humans so far so i'm it it builds anticipation for the second right. issue but i also think it might some people might just fall off and be like oh they didn't give me what i wanted in issue one why am i gonna buy issue two so i don't know i think it appeals to people who are fans of the original series maybe or who know how cool the stuff that's coming up can be but i also could mm-hmm. see bouncing off of it especially if you know as a younger person with less income or or less respect for the franchise, I'd be like, "What right. the heck?" Like, they, I don't want to read Peter Parker comics. You know, I want to see the actual thing that's on the cover here. It's kind <laughs> of weird. Yeah, I think though that since it's it's a five issue run, like, and it's fairly known that it's a five issue run. I do kind of miss that when Marvel used to do the number one in a mm-hmm. five issue series, they put it at the top. Like, so you knew, like, okay, there's four four or five issues of this. This is going to be a coherent story when it's finished. So I'm, I'm in, you know? And, you know, they're trying to... They're, there's an end game to it. Like, most media outside of this country, there's an end game to it. Uh, most British television, they're like, yeah, we did 12 episodes. 20 years later, we'll do another <laughs> six, and then we're finished. You know? <laughs> See, I think the success of this, though, is going to be, you know, having been around comic shops and stuff long enough, you know, six months from now, there's going to be, I'm sure, a hardcover, then a softcover that's in stores that's, you know, like we were saying, there's they're sort of like a, a camp yep. hurdle you obviously have to get over at some point as an American audience to start engaging with this stuff. And what this book will be is a door that is much more within American sensibilities. And, and a lot of the ways that, like, you know, that Boom Power Rangers book is now, if you say, you know, Whatever I think of that old show, whether I liked it as a kid or maybe I just missed it or whatever, like, I think the suits look cool, you know, and if this was quite clearly tailored to uh, a a PG-13 audience, you know, I'd be able to get into this. Now that book is always there, that door exists, that there's something for people to move through now to kind of, it's a lower barrier to entry, I think, in some ways. If you can't enjoy the camp, you can't enjoy the production values and stuff like that, there, there will at least be this book on the shelf that you can take this ride. Um, and then hopefully, like, it's, it's, it's one way to start kind of funneling people into things. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it, if we can't catch them here, we catch them with this. If we can't catch them here, we catch them with this. It's, it's you know, your cast, yeah, your cast I mean, is like, wide right. as possible. It's like possible. how Pokemon Go is kind of this way that people who either didn't grow up with. And, you know, admittedly, that series is so geared towards young kids that if you missed it, it might not do anything for you. But now there's this game that's sort of free of all the camp and stuff. And it's just the character designs and the gameplay of wanting to catch them all. And that that's 
ubiquitous enough that suddenly there's kind of this new multi-billion dollar kind of way that people are coming and joining the franchise. Very true. And it's also kind of cool that this this comic book, being an issue one, I feel like it's kind of a high stakes moment, but they they put in basically four different components into the one book. There's the main, I think it's 26 pages of the act, you know, main story. Then there's the Ultra Q story, which is 10 pages. And there's two single page um, kind of little extra things, the Kaiju steps, which are very like chibi and kind of cartoonish. And it's really cool. Like there's something, maybe not something for everyone, but something for three different types of people in this one comic book, which is cool. And it feels like such a big deal, I think, too. Just the art is amazing. Like the variant covers, like there's one live action one that I got. that's like really awesome. There's one where, uh, yes. where like uh, there's like Spider-Man on like Ultraman's like um like shoulder just everything about this feels like it like just like not even just marvel but important marvel making a statement hey pay attention to this yeah there's like there's i like have three of 12 them 12 variant covers or something bananas <laughs> like that wow that's oh i want the cartoony one with gomez freaking like look looking like he's gonna like he, where ultraman's like yeah. flying across right. the city going to punch him and he just looks like he's like ah! you know that, that one's fantastic the action figure one. Oh yeah that's that's awesome too yeah uh, that's a good one too yeah no i got the one with the alien mephlius and i'm like all right it's fine <laughs> is that the, the live action one? Oh, there is two live yeah, action ones there's Damn, two live okay. action ones i think yeah the the one i have is ultraman is on the right hand side of the cover that's what i have like choking the alien out yeah which it's like i said it's fine but it's not super exciting yeah. this is so poised like t- to do so well and like I'm, I'm really excited but um yeah like i think they'll probably do more than this like i think they're going to do something else like maybe it's like an ultra seven series maybe it's just like another like sh- like short run like here's like some 12 issue like ultra band like whatever but yeah 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 i don't think they're i don't think this is i don't think they would be making such a ginormous deal about it if it was like yeah, just five issues. That's yeah, all. this is like a like future plan for them at least. And like I um like um they aren't exactly doing the best like like with some of their movies in Asia. And I think like even just like like this could be like a like good character to be like oh let's like let's like do like a cool Ultraman series that features like the Avengers and like let's put that out like let's see like if like what happens to like right. our numbers in like China after that you know. Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. 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 So, one last question for everyone is, um, what do we see as the future of Ultraman and Toku in like general? Because like, um, we, it's definitely now's the time. It feels like where it's all coming in into focus. Like it's coming out. It's being like repackaged, that kind of stuff, and like it's more available. Even last year, like in the past year, um. Tokushoutsu has happened, tons of series. Um, the Toei Tokusatsu channel yep. on YouTube. One day, just every common writer song was on Spotify when you and I was like, What? <laughs> <laughs> Wild. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's nobody's uh people are taking a uh look at it like, oh, we can market this outside of this country. There is a hunger for this in other parts of the world. We just have to take that extra step and now that now that everything you can just distribute things on the internet uh you can 
it's it's much easier than having to worry about localizing it, producing a physical copy of it, licensing it in a certain territory for that. Um, it's it's much more and and again like the, with indie with indie uh, companies, the internet has somewhat leveled the playing field for a lot of things. So it's you know it, it, it makes everything so much more available, which I never thought was going to yeah. happen. Um. So Ryan, um, what do you think as like a like comic creator and like a like TV writer like it has like the next step for like this kind of stuff from here? Because like I like want to know like what you think might be next, like in like even like the next year, like the next five years, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. Um, I I think the most honest thing about it is th- thanks to the internet, streaming services, and stuff like that. You know, if you can if you can be a TV show and consistently get half a million people to tune in every time that that's that's a grand slam success and that's better than most like shot like sci-fi channel original shows we get um you know so like sort of kind of with our hearts combined of all, all the nerds <laughs> around the world you know it, it's a pretty low barrier of entry um or you know a, a low um metric for success in a funny way um so i think it's fun quite frankly i'm um, just I, I can't be very specific but from my limited professional engagement with material like this it's just funny watching the powers that be try to understand it. Like, what do people like? Because it's so crazy, right? Like, if you just show a person who knows nothing about anything 30 minutes of Dragon Ball Super, they'd be like, what the hell is this? Like, what? This is just noise and stimulation to me. I don't understand yeah. you know, the artistry or what the ride is. Um, but to be very specific, I think an issue, a series like this, especially the way this issue was structured, um, I think, you know, you're going to walk away with there's going to be a 150 page graphic novel that's going to be a real taste of it's going to be a successful kind of sufficient uh, ultraman sort of origin story that my guess at the end will find out that um this is in some way a mirror universe or in some way connected to the larger kind of multiverse pantheon so we can follow our american made marvel ultraman into the larger kind of ultraman franchise so he can kind of be a pov for for new fans um but i think mm. you know seeing how that boom series did and you know like i mean it, it really is this perfect storm of potential right like people go kind of batshit crazy for these like power rangers lightning figures like there's mm-hmm. the, the the potential energy behind this whole this genre um and these various franchises is, is, is super evident um and i think they're going to keep taking like there's going to be another power rangers movie in the next five years you know undoubtedly the live action one yeah um and they're gonna they're just gonna keep swinging sure so they're gonna keep making transformers stuff and the funny thing is as much as it is you know niche kind of like nerdy entertainment it's also a staple now right like ultraman is never going to go away um and as long as it lurks you know it might it might kind of be a waving pattern where it's going to get closer it's going to bend away again you know doctor who you know they 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 aired on fox network american tv uh, made for american audience doctor who movie that was abysmal in i think the late 90s (laughs) um it crashed and burned um, and then the Doctor Who 50th anniversary special, I think, made twenty million dollars in American theaters alone. So, like, you know, it's they're gonna, it, it's it's just chipping away at this iceberg. At some at some point, it's gonna break through. Um, I think if it can get an anchor, a foothold in American comics, I think that'll be a, a major major step. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I love Tokusatsu and I love Kaiju, and having more people into the fandom would be awesome. I think it's pretty ambitious what they're doing with Ultraman because. Uh, kind of like we've talked about earlier, it's it seems like it's 
the general pathway to success for a new series is to do a new series. It's like maybe it's still called Ultraman, but there's a different subtitle and it's a different character in a different place. But they're kind of going to sort of sacred ground, going back to the original source material and telling it in a different way, you know, a different context. But a lot of the references are similar. So it's it's impressive what they're doing. And it is more difficult, I'd say, than just making a Marvel version of Ultraman, which is drastically different and the suit's different and the origin story's different. Um, they're they're kind of retreading it and changing it a little bit, which which is going to be really cool. I think I think it's going to be awesome, and um, I I just I'm kind of excited for Tokusatsu to be more maybe authentic or uh, doesn't have to have the like Saved by the Bell filter put on it like the original Power Rangers had, uh, where they can just you know redub the voices, mm. kind of like you were saying at the beginning of the episode, Rich. Like, so what if the the voice flaps you know are different? Like, who cares? It's a it's a show about uh-huh. giant monsters and giant robots destroying a city. Like, the suspension of disbelief is messed up because someone's mouth movement. Like, really, uh, <laughs> right? That's so maybe I don't know with, with better technology <laughs> or something, we can just keep the artistry more intact and not have to Americanize everything. Uh, I don't know. I'm excited about the the potential of this mm-hmm. this series, and I'm a big fan of of what, what, what's happened in the past. So even if the new stuff isn't that great, we still have the past to go back to and, and they'll get it read at some point, but I'm optimistic. We'll see. I'm excited that this was in my local comic book shop. That was pretty cool. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so like imagine this, absolutely. Um, this series ends. Um, and then I, it depends maybe on, um, the direction they go, maybe on the villain they're setting up for like, for like phase four or like phase five like the mcu maybe but oh no it's dr doom it's galactus it's thanos it's um like king the conqueror they're in the land of light oh no they took it over or oh like we just saw like thanos like grab the gem off of like ultraman's like chest and it's like oh this is like the gem of light kind of thing and they just (laughs) do like a massive crossover where like they're mostly not ultraman but then in the end oh no like spider-man got like the power of like Ultraman for like one issue kind of thing. And it's like, that's like a big crossover thing that could happen or like a like major book. Cause that's like also something that like they could just do that. They could just say, Hey, our next crossover like adventure is like oh, yeah. Ultra Marvel, like crossover series. I don't know. That'd be awesome. 100%. Oh, yeah, Dr. Doom with like Ultra yeah. Powers or something would be great, honestly. <laughs> or like U- Ultraman versus like terrifying Galactus. <laughs> Perfect. They would love that. Right. Yeah, that'd be cool. Or if, you know, the third Power Rangers movie, they do a big, you know, Saban gets acquired by Disney or Saban. Sorry. If they had, I could see, you know, the Megazord fighting Ultraman. That's like something I doodled on my notebook in middle school. Like that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like there's so much potential. And like, I think like, it's like a, like very striking and like, iconic like figure too so like we're bound to see more of it and just like what the sport it has like i'm just very excited for like to see one of my major like fandoms become like a thing in the west and have people like get it and like in like a less filtered way as well and like i like can't wait to see what happens in like the next year like like let alone like the next five or ten right it feels weird that this would would do well i feel like Ultraman's always been such an obscure thing compared to most of my other fandoms where it's like you read a Spider-Man comic and you're like, oh yeah, this could be a movie. This would be awesome. Um, Whereas Ultraman, you know, you watch the original show and it's like, 
it is a kaiju movie or like it feels like Godzilla kind of, but it's mostly just wrestling and like desperately throwing punches. And it feels a lot more like a street fight than like a choreographed, you know, Power Ranger Megazord battle. So it just doesn't feel like I wouldn't have expected the average person to really love Ultraman. Um, But maybe with what Marvel's doing with it, they can make it a little bit more modern and uh, look a little cooler, maybe. Although I also really like how dorky and and corny the old series can be sometimes. Look how many people like professional wrestling. This feels like really early professional wrestling where it wasn't so theatrical. Yeah. Yeah. You put them in suits. <laughs> you bust up some buildings. Hey, uh, I go. love Kaiju Big Battle. It's a like yes, yeah, Speaking yeah. Of a thousand true fans like that series is so cool and such a like bizarre niche thing. You know, they're not going to do a a big blockbuster movie of Kaiju Big Battle, but uh, it's a really cool series to uh, circulate the tapes on. Yeah, I would love to see Ultraman like. Yeah, good stuff. Cosplay, basically, I guess, like a wrestling version now. That would be great. Uh, no. Yeah, that would be um, awesome. So as we are, like, winding down a little bit, like, I wanted just um, to give people time to plug themselves in their work. So, uh, Rich, when you're not talking... Actually, no, Um, unlike a lot of our guests, uh, you <laughs> are talking about the same stuff usually. So when you are talking about Ultraman... <laughs> Almost all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, we have a show called The Science Patrol. It's hosted by me and my friend Pat Rooney. And uh, he basically didn't watch one second of Ultraman until we sat down to watch the original series uh, for the show almost four years ago. Um, and uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Ultraman Podcast. Um, our email address is ultramanpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, we have a fairly new Instagram account, which is currently at the Science Patrol because I'm an idiot and forgot to do it at Ultraman Podcast. But we're <laughs> going to rectify that as soon as we can. Um, and yeah, we record. We put out an episode almost every Monday, um, real life, not with uh, notwithstanding. But uh, you know, we uh, we've been doing it. And we're going to keep doing it until one of us goes. And by that means, uh, you know, sheds this mortal coil. <laughs> Uh, and Ryan. Um, so I run my own indie uh, comic book label called Plastic Sword Press. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Plastic Sword Press or on Facebook, facebook.com slash Plastic Sword Press. The Facebook page has the first issue of all my various series uh, completely available for free for people to check out. Um, right now, my series, The Axeman, is live on Kickstarter. We're fully funded uh, at a 40-page final finale issue, and it's it's eerie and it's crazy, uh, but it's about a covert ops agent whose job is to hunt down patient zeros of new plagues and pandemics before a full outbreak can start. Um, which so you started this before? Yes, I, yeah. I started it before. Um, my mom was an infectious disease nurse growing up, so I heard stories like this, and then I wrote a comic. Started it two years ago, and then uh, yeah, then you know my worst case scenario sci-fi body horror story came true. Um, wow. Um, so we're live that on Kickstarter. Fan- that I have all sounds my books, awesome. Um, printed, I've run 15 successful pay, uh, Kickstarters. I've, all my books are printed in the States, so I usually start getting books to domestic backers within two weeks after the Kickstarter ends. Um, so support independent content. We've talked about a whole bunch here. Um, it's an awesome time. Um, check out some really cool books. and the, the art team's just incredible. So check out the page. I think you'll dig it. Yeah, and um, it's you do great work, and it's like all really like available. And like um, I just... Uh, at the time of this coming out, 
on the Friday. There's five days left on your your um like Axe Band like three like uh like Kickstarter. And you always have like such great like bundles of like work too. It's like a but um and um I'm so glad that you all came on, but you especially um like being like driving and like in the car and stuff, like thank you so much. <laughs> It's been a very fun way to spend the drive. Um, shout out to my girlfriend, Katie, who's been yeah. driving top plane the passenger seat, listening to me talk about nerdy stuff and not able to hear your guys at the end of it the entire time. <laughs> thanks, Katie. They say thank you. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Katie, yeah. <laughs> Great and job. And we should all get like really silent, so it's like, it seems like we're not here. He's just like talking to himself. <laughs> that would be infuriating to like have to listen to just that little bit and be like, all right, when's the episode come out so I can fill the rest of my brain in? Thank you. you know? so, I don't want to disparage Katie, but it's fine if she doesn't listen. I get it. Like, you already heard, like, your half. Okay. No, no, no. She has to listen. That's part of the thing. You signed the thing. Yeah, you were you in the, the podcast. That's how this works. There's some good banter in here. She's going to want to hear both sides. Yeah, yeah. She shouldn't have been in the car if you can't serve the podcast. <laughs> That's what I <laughs> Oh, buddy. <coughs> and Andrew, where can people find you when you're not or in the near future are talking about <laughs> right. uh So I host a show called Amusement Sparks where we casually brainstorm an immersive theme park on each episode. So we've got over 50 theme parks designed by now. Um, we have an upcoming episode on Tokusatsu in general with our own beloved Kip here. Uh, but yeah, check hey. out the show at amusementsparks.com. It's in your podcast app. It's the the newest episodes are on Spotify. I'm working on it. Uh, but also Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Amusement Sparks. <laughs> oh, and it's an all ages show. I always want to throw that in there. There's no oh, yeah. <laughs> no cuss words or anything. It's very nerdy, but not at all dirty. Ooh, wow. Yeah. That's Ooh, a nice. lot better. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, like mine is um like um it's like swears not slurs but that's a lot better yeah it's a lot better but but yeah <laughs> yeah pat and i sort of dance around the dance around the uh adult tag every so often uh but we try to keep it you know we try to yeah the show cool that's possible. awesome is like dirty like like not like dirty like it's all like we're like ah uh, let's talk about uh, what you do in the shadows but uh <laughs> 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 well it's not like I, I don't think many people want to share the podcast they love with their kids or their young cousins or anything like that but I'm just like yeah but what if you did or I, I used to teach high school and I could hardly recommend anything right. to oh, my yeah. students because it all had something that wasn't you know safe for work or school appropriate or whatever so it's like I love this anime but I'm not going to tell you I love it because there's some sketchy stuff that I don't want to be seen endorsing so I'm just going to say I only like these wholesome children's things like the Netflix Voltron show, for example. Uh, I am still a huge fan of that show, but it's like that was one of the few things right. I could just proudly brag about, you know, being a huge fan of because there's nothing, no swears or anything like that. So uh, anyway, thanks for having me on, Kip. This has been great. Yeah, this has been fantastic. Thanks. It's like great to have like all you on, but also like together to talk about like a like shared like subject of. Might do something like more like this, like it, in the future, like when there's like a a like another subject that like merits it. But yeah, it's like a lot of fun, and um, I just love the idea of like now that like y you said making your show like family friendly, of like having a podcast like play on one of those old like 
old 1950s like wooden like radios and like like, <laughs> like the whole family something. sits around yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ultimate fireside chat. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, um, <laughs> you can find us um, at twitter.com at come ride to me, come ride to me dot com, and uh, on Instagram actually at come ride with me. Um, should do more of that, honestly. But hey, um, and we take in questions to a podcast at comrightsme.com and we are doing more with questions as like we go but yeah um just it's been a lovely episode to have you all on and like i just have a um like quick question uh what have we learned today like what is the lesson that we can like bring forward in the good or bad don't yuck somebody else's yum there's something small out there for creators. everybody how about that well, normal size, yeah, that too. normal sized people, but you know, we're their, all small. Their creators. budgets are small or whatever. I uh, yes, hey, other size people. Are, I'm not saying <laughs> there's anything wrong with being budget. a different whatever size. You got. <laughs> oh boy, <laughs> be a fan of the borrowers. Uh, whatever you need. What's your lesson, um, Ryan? Um, that you know, even in this time when we're all locked in and in quarantine and separate from each other, you can still meet some dude named Rich somewhere in New Jersey who also doesn't want to listen to Hotel California anymore. Oh, yeah. Uh I guess uh I guess uh yeah. hmm, this is a, a, a like very tough like one sentence, but um so um watch Ultraman, um support indie creators of all sizes and listen to Hotel California. <laughs> yeah, I love Hotel California. You guys are wrong. Civil War begins. <laughs> yeah. No no, I don't say I don't love it. It's a great song, but I'm done. I'm done. I, I don't ever, at no point in my like do I wake up and go, all right, time to slap on Hotel Car. No, if it comes on, I'm like, I, I've, I've heard it so many times. I'm, it's, you know, I don't ever need to hear it again. Will I turn it off? Probably I not. I do think if you're you waking up to Hotel to California, again. you have a problem. <laughs> That's a bad, like, wake up. Oh, yes, I, can, I think we can You should do a up. podcast. You should do a podcast where every yeah, day yeah. you listen to Hotel California and then review it right afterwards. It's like a three minute per day daily show. <laughs> what do you think of Hotel California today? <laughs> yeah, no, you sir. Find, like, a program that will like <laughs> randomize like the like speed and pitch and like the duration, and then that's how it goes. Hotel California. Oh, yeah, that's that's it. That's love. Oh. <laughs> Just. That's all for horsemen oh. by Hershall Talk. <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Wow. Thank you all for I coming agree. out. This is a great episode. Glad to have you all on. What a pleasure, boys. That Thanks was fun. for having us. <laughs>